Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Wench Bench, where friends sit and talk about fabulous fictional females and how their stories have influenced us throughout our lives. My name is Fonda. She, her pronouns, please. My name is Allison, also she, her. And today we have a fabulous guest with us that we would love to introduce to you. Um, Everyone, I'd like to give the floor over to Joe. Hi, the both of you. Um, my name is Joe. I really use any pronouns or just the name Joe. Um, I'm at Grandpa Bimbo uh, on Twitter and TikTok. Lately, I have been on TTRPG streams, having just pretty much a lax, fun time with that. Uh, and today, I would love to introduce and talk about Nadia Volvokov uh, from the wonderful Russian doll. Yes. See, I'm excited because I haven't seen it. So this is going to be wonderful territory for me. I'm so stoked. When did the Russian doll come out? Uh, 2019, sometime along those lines. Okay, so still quote-unquote new. Ooh. Yeah. And like a second season was confirmed like immediately, like June of 2019. Really? Yeah. Oh, you know, it's good. Or usually it's good when someone <laughs> immediately gets a second season. Yeah. I'm unless very excited. <laughs> unless it's like those, like, I don't know, like I remember Family Guy. I was never into it, but like they would always get season after season. I'm just like, is it this popular? No. Or. <laughs> The answer is no. <laughs> I wouldn't know. We lazy watch uh, Family Guy at breakfast when we don't want to think about anything um, because it's bad. Oh. <laughs> it's just kind of background noise. So I, interesting. It's interesting. Okay, great. but Russian Doll is not so background good. noise. It's Russian so Doll good. is prime watchable material. Yes, Russian Doll is one of those shows very much where you do have to watch multiple times because there are details that you miss just throughout Oh, it. really? Yes, yes. Can you give a uh, brief introduction to Russian Doll? Um, I've never, again, I've, yeah. I haven't seen it. Don't know if any of our viewers have. Allison, have you already watched it? Yes, Okay. twice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so just like going off of both like Wikipedia and just general paraphrasing, Russian Doll follows a woman named Nadia who is caught in a time loop very similar to Groundhog's Day. She even mentions oh. that she is Michael Douglas from another one of the time loop movies. Um, as the guest of honor at a seemingly inescapable, inescapable birthday party one night in New York City, she dies repeatedly, always restarting at the same moment at the party as she tries to figure out what is happening. And then she meets a man named Alan who is also experiencing the exact same time loop in the exact same time frame as she is. And then they meet by some strange chance in the time loop, and it just goes down from there. Huh. It's super cool. Yeah. Okay. And the both of them, what really makes the story for both of them is that they are both sort of self-catastrophizing, self-destructive people that fear reflection like personal reflection which comes to their downfall most of the time throughout the stories and leads to most of their deaths despite the fact that they restart 
Oh. Yeah. And like self-reflection is kind of the thing in like time loop movies. Whenever you watch them, it's like, it's, you have to become a better person. <laughs> and when you're as much of a disaster as some people are, it's <laughs> difficult. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, how does Nadia start out? Like, what's her character like when we first get introduced to her? Yeah. The first opening scene is this jaded 36-year-old character that Natasha Leone is portraying, looking at herself in the mirror, and people are knocking because it's her birthday party, and there's only one bathroom in this huge New York City apartment. Um People are knocking. She's in the bathroom. She's taking her sweet time, just, like, looking at herself and just, like, does not care that people are waiting for her. And when she finally opens the door, the doorknob is a gun. And when you, when you open it, it's a revolver. And it's just such a surreal opening to the scene. Um, and she opens the door and she, like, has to push past two other people from the party trying to like have been trying to go to the bathroom this whole time. And then she gets a, I guess like a joint laced with uh, cocaine from one of her friends that designed the bathroom. And then Nadia is just, she, it's very apparent that she's this like cool sort of like hardened, jaded sort of lady. She's like the only STEM sort of like based mind in between in her friend group because both of her like best friends throughout the story are like artists which is very you know appointed <laughs> and Nadia is like do ladies get midlife crises and when does menopause start and there's just like okay something's wrong with like her and like what she's like thinking about in terms of herself and both of her friends are like what are you talking about and it's become you know more and more apparent that like Nadia uses a lot of drugs recreationally, drinks a lot, has the insides of a, like, 60-, 70-year-old man. But her friend Liz remarks that no matter how old she actually is, like, she acts like a 22-year-old. Like, she acts like there are no consequences in her life whatsoever. Um, At the same time, though, she is this great mind, um, has been a freelance coder and programmer computer scientist for a long time and hooks up with a guy at a party because of that information and seems to really enjoy a sort of philosophical existential mind and even though she doesn't really like the guy that she hooks up with she's just like i guess this is like what i'm gonna do today Um, (laughs) and what a woman yeah seriously and when she (laughs) takes him home and i like after they like have sex she goes into this whole thing because he talks about her cat tree and how, oh, cat lady in New York. And she's like, what? Is there a problem with being a cat lady? Is there a problem with not wanting to be committed until I'm 60? That is until maybe I die before then and just goes on to this like really more like mortality rant. And then he's like, that's really hot actually. And she was like, okay, and it calls him an Uber, and then he just gets out of there. And she's it's just immediately very distressed but iconic lady at the same time. 
I love a distressed woman. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just <laughs> something about it hits home sometimes. <laughs> something about somebody trying to convince themselves that they're happy where they are, but like she has everything she wants, but there's still, she's like, well, why am I not happy? And it's like, well, maybe you, you need more than what you have. But she's like, well, she has this great job. She has money. She has friends, but they don't really understand why she's unhappy which is kind of an interesting look at like other sort of mental illnesses like depression and stuff and it's kind of like what more is going on and it definitely shows in the surreal filming of the show because it's very you get some wide angle lenses and some bright colors and it's very visually stunning as a show as well with all of her artist friends in their crazy apartments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love a crazy artist apartment. Man, because there's just so many stories to tell. So what sort of, is it obvious what event, so to speak, starts this time loop in the show? Or is it something that you kind of have to figure out yeah. as you watch it? Yes. Um, I think before the first death, she talks about, like one of the, also the main things that are on her mind since the beginning is that her cat is missing oh. oatmeal who is a oh. outside cat in new york city and both of her friends like are for like that is irresponsible and that cat is dead like you're not taking care of the cat oh. how it should be and nadia definitely projects onto oatmeal the cat and is like being inside is a mental prison for cats and not only do I care about being free, this cat cares about being free. So it's just total, it, it's very much this, Nadia is caretaking, is a caretaker for this cat, not only, but is projecting this sense of this cat and I need to be free in New York City. So when she leaves the party after hooking up with a guy, she is walking out, uh, you know, 3, 4 a.m. or whatever, and looking to buy some more cigarettes and then she sees oatmeal across the street and then she gets hit by a car (gasps) and dies so traumatically and then wakes up finds herself waking up in the same bathroom scene looking at herself in a huge mirror and like the water faucet still on which indicates the beginning of every time loop and then the second time i guess the second chance or the second timeline in the loop That's when we learned that her mom died when she was 36, and this is her 36th birthday. Mm. So it's a very, you know, mental... It's a a completely holistic sort of sense of dread that she's going through. And her aunt, who is a social worker and therapist, also comes to the party. And that this is when Nadia first talks about, like, I think I died, I was gonna have sex with this guy but now i just feel profoundly empty and ruth her aunt is like this was always gonna be a tough birthday you know your mom died when she was 36 and nadia is like not everything's about my mom you don't have to bring that up every time or whatever Mm. and i think we all know that like you're probably thinking about your mom um and you kind of just lash out and you're like you don't know me (laughs) it's it's not about my mom yeah and then john comes in at some point because she's like sort of having trouble breathing after the death or just upon realization of a lot of things john is an ex-partner of hers who left his ex-wife because of nadia 
and now they're like not no longer together so there's also this theme already of extremely impulsive relationships and potentially creating a life with another person um and that just completely falling through but some they seem to still have contact with each other relatively often enough and kind of stringing him along most of the time but she doesn't die again i believe in the first episode and then she actually wakes up into the second episode in a different day but eventually she dies again and goes back to the same time i believe oh so unlike groundhog day where when the day's over it immediately resets yeah right she can still continue in the new loop but if she dies at all she's taken back to the same starting point yeah and it's only really i believe it's a sunday monday tuesday wednesday like time frame or maybe it's only three days but like that's the max it can go yeah it's pointedly never thursday or friday interesting yeah there's a like russian doll bot on twitter that always whenever it's thursday or friday cycles the same reaction picture of nadia saying it's never going to be thursday again and alan saying when friday comes i'll be there (laughs) yeah nice yeah nice i love the pointedness of that (laughs) internet jokes (laughs) so Mm -hmm. what other themes besides nadia's sort of character development that will get touched on throughout the whole show from like the start of her doing the loop till the end of the first season are there any other themes outside of pointed character development that pop up in the show that makes this not only an interesting netflix series to watch but makes it interesting specifically for nadia yeah i think going for I guess the the general Netflix approach, this is directed and written by a mostly probably all women crew. Hmm. Um, Amy Poehler uh, writes on this. Natasha Lyonne writes on this. Um, Leslie Headland is married to the actress Liz and has done some really incredible writing work and has even said it is really important to explore a show about a female protagonist that asked spiritual and existential questions, as opposed to a show that was about a woman finding romance, a woman finding balance between her work life and her love life. Those are all worthy endeavors and excellent shows made all of that about those things that we were just thinking, what about what hasn't been done? Um, And certainly there hasn't really been a groundhog like show with, you know, a female front as well as, at some point, Nadia explains Einstein's theory of relativity throughout the that. show. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Within 30 seconds. And that's because Leslie Headland, apparently, there's apparently a movie where Marilyn Monroe explains the theory of relativity to Albert Einstein in five minutes or something. And it's just, I, Leslie Headland was inspired by that scene. But in Russian Doll, how to do it within 30 seconds using the, as, each timeline they go through, the world changes around them. So they're in her friend Maxine's fish tank. There's like 20 fish becomes like only two fish. Alan's fish disappears. Oatmeal eventually disappears. And a lot of the fruit in the convenience stores or in their home that have preexisted are rotting on the outside, but are 
completely ripe on the inside. It's it's wild how they even bring that up. Oh. So there's there's Nadia who's very clearly an intelligent, like so super intelligent prodigy sort of person. But not only is there that aspect, which is really interesting, the themes that I specifically really that you really see, especially in relation to the theory of relativity, which is essentially that I don't know, like there are <laughs> time is a loop and eventually things go back to what is right. Adulthood, addiction, violence, relationships, parenthood, and families, all as a cycle. So when we, in episode seven, we get sort of flashbacks of when she was a kid with her mom before her mom died. And Nadia, very young, has to battle, do I stay with my mom who has, you know, however many diagnoses that, she's plagued with or whatever other problems or do i go with my aunt who is a social worker and trying to take care of my growth and well-being so nadia as a child being an over adultified you know parentified child going into her adulthood as with her mom being her only sort of model of this is a woman in my life or in like a woman of my blood do then just kind of carry on the same sort of destructive path and also the guilt that she feels for leaving her mom. Yeah, like life is a cycle and what you've experienced as a kid is definitely what you're going to mimic or reflect in some kind of way, even if you don't want to see it that way, like Nadia Mm -hmm. does. Yeah, she definitely is trying to not end up like her mom, but like, I can't imagine that situation that they like flashback to it's like having to choose between your own happiness especially as like an adultified child who's been forced to to grow up and to take such like hard responsibilities like as a kid you should never have to make a choice to take care of an adult above yourself yeah and like that has it is explored quite like nicely in this show because like you said like they're exploring these things these like deep, like big questions in this show that very rarely get to be explored through the lens of a female protagonist. And it's, it's fascinating to watch her kind of start to figure out that there's more to what's happening to her. Like, it's not just like, Oh, you have to survive or you have to like become a better person on the outside. Cause she does do like better actions and stuff. I remember she does like, like nicer things for other people she tries all the like oh be a better person to other people but it's like you need to fix what's inside is why she's it seems yeah is why she's stuck but we don't have answers on that yet oh is um i'm curious how she takes the loop initially like is at first i mean if it was me i'd be like am i is this deja vu did i just have like a dream and i'm just like back and it's whatever is it kind of like Um, like, does she hit a a quote unquote, like a breaking point where she just starts like, like getting upset and riled up and snapping more easily at things? Is that something that she doesn't deal with for whatever reason? And she's just trying to solve whatever's going on externally, not knowing it's an internal thing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Throughout the the majority of the series she's over intellectualizes the entire thing again (laughs) has a very stem mind and 
when she meets Alan in the third episode, she finds where he lives <laughs> and then sort of interrogates him and is like, hey, are we the same person? Like, she has a bunch of theories. Like, do you think that whatever, whatever. And when Alan is saying that the both of them are being morally punished by some sort of higher power, and that is why they're both going through this thing. She was like, no, I'm not, I don't believe in that. Like out of all of the theories <laughs> that, that she, no, <laughs> yeah, that, that one can't be. What it, oh, what I love her. I know. Um, and there are points where she dies with Ruth at some point. Um, like there's a gas leak in one of the timelines and she like is back in the bathroom scene and she she has cried multiple times like as she's come back or whenever she drowns there's a really she crazy drowns? detail she drowns like maybe once like, i think the f- second third death or something like that yeah. she like falls over a uh, bridge railing oh. a, a really a really crazy detail is that when she wakes up well or when the timeline reloops back in the bathroom she like throws up water um, they're like every sort of timeline she shoulders the emotional and physical consequences to whatever death and any of the people that she's seen die or become really hurt or if any of the people that she knows has seen her die throughout this process she shoulders all of that emotionally up until like the, the penultimate episode where she finally starts to get some answers that are completely based on her own emotional self-reflection. So the timeline is both, there's some sense to it that can be, you know, there's an algorithm. We can go back to the Einstein thing, but ultimately there is that like emotional sort of aspect to it, which is the lesson to be learned. Mm-hmm. And uniquely compared to some other like time loop stuff is hers is extremely traumatic. Like, yeah, it's, it's not like fun in games. Like, Oh, I go to sleep after having slept with a beautiful girl. And now I wake up in the morning and I'm like, shit, where'd you go? And I have to start my day all over again. It's like, it's getting hit by buses. It's drowning. It's freezing to death. Yeah, night. it's like, falling it's, downstairs multiple times. <laughs> it's like these like horrible traumatic deaths. And I don't remember. It's been a while since I watched it. But is it... I think one of her friends is when she sees her the first time after she comes out of the bathroom. She's like happier to see her or she's crying or something. Almost like the people around her are starting to also change. Yeah. With like, it. Oh. So it's like, I don't yeah. know why I'm ha- I'm so happy to see you. It's like, you were just here. But for some reason, like... I'm just happy to have you. I'm happy to have you. And I think it was because, like, that was after she had witnessed her death or something like that. Like, there's, it repeats so many times. It gets a little hard to, so, to come back in. But So the difference is, even though it's minor throughout these loops, Nadia is having different interactions each time not just because she's doing different things to like make the the environment around her react differently but her past sort of loops are influencing like you said like the apples are rotting on the outside the fruit is rotting on the outside but it's the same on the inside so the people around her in her life like the relationships are also somehow changing yeah, like in 
eventually in the sort of last half of the episodes, when she's waking up in the bathroom, the mirror disappears and there are less things in the ba- there's less things in the bathroom and then when she asks her friend Maxine the artist friend wasn't there a ba- wasn't there a mirror in your bathroom and then Maxine's like what no like it's a commentary on self-perception and capitalism and commodification or something and that is not there was there's no initial conversation about the mirror in the bathroom it, it's just always there up until the point that something is going wrong um, and when she dies more often and when her and Alice, when her and Alan are trying to piece together what they're missing, every time she dies, walking into the party, less and less people, people are there. And then eventually it's just, and less and less furniture. And eventually it's just Maxine, like dancing in a room alone. And it's, it's very surreal and scary. Yeah. It captures like existential dread really well. Like, you're just, like, you don't know why you're, like, anxious about what's going to happen on the other side of the door. Every single time she comes back up, you're like, what is happening now? Like, what's going to change? And they do, they, the creators have done such a good job at making it just a, an interesting and, like, confusing, but still entertaining. Like, you're not necessarily angry that you're confused, you're kind of just like along for the ride in the same way that Nadia is because as problematic and troublesome and complicated and wonderful as she is, you are connecting with her on her journey. And so you're able to experience it all and not, well, I suppose some people might not connect with her, but I know I did when I was watching it, Um, but you're able to really kind of like experience this along with her and kind of, feel that nervousness and like oh fuck back in this goddamn bathroom again (laughs) (laughs) it's like when you're playing a video game and you keep dying and going back to the dumb reset spot you're like fuck just Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. take me anywhere but here (laughs) please i'll restart at any other point just not this goddamn bathroom again that oh my gosh so what are her main it sounds like there's a lot of people in her life yeah but in the show is it just her friend that she's going to hang out with um, on the night of the birthday, her aunt and the gentleman that has also a similar loop? Are those the ones that get touched on the most? That yeah, are I think I think the main significant people is Nadia, Ruth, her aunt, mm-hmm. Alan, who is the person that she shares the time loop with, John, who kind of centers her. He's a very stark parallel to her character where she is very you know over intellectual you know all these things john is like i wanted to like build a life with you and i trusted you to be with me and all these things and is fully able to be independent without nadia but for some reason in nadia's mind she's like under this impression that john needs her and Mm. kind of thrives off of that but when he confronts her during one of the timelines. She's like, that's just what you think right now. And then he leaves and she's very clearly emotionally distressed by that. And then there are two of her artist friends, Liz and Maxine that are always at the party that she specifically at the end is like, I don't want to lose either of you when people are disappearing from the party. And I think definitely her mom is also another one of those people that are huge to her character. My gosh. Mm -hmm. I, I, 
more and more, so I need to watch it. I mean, I might be a little spoiled going into it now, but <laughs> there's, there's, there's so many details that there's just something that you're not, we're not even going to mention gonna here, catch, probably. Yeah. yeah, there's, there is so much. Like, I, yeah, like the second time I watched it, I caught so much, so much more. And then, like, even talking to you about it, like, the every time you say, like, oh, she's over intellectualizing things, it's like that's, a extremely common like trauma response from somebody who like has been forced to grow up early like uh, somebody who has been like adultified as a child yeah. they feel like, guilt for feeling and so they try and like over intellectualize their feelings they try and over explain everything it's something that like i do sometimes like when i like mess up i try and over explain it but that's because of like childhood trauma responses for like things that I've experienced in my past. And I'm having to like unlearn that automatically. Oh no, I can, I can explain this and it's kind of overcomplicated and unnecessary. It's like, you can just have feelings or you can just have messed up. Like it doesn't have to have this huge explanation or these huge like reasons. It can just be what it is. Mm -hmm. And she seems to have a real hard time just being which is interesting and fascinating to watch. What's the, just so I can get kind of like a, I guess more understanding sometimes for shows and movies, the filming and like the camera angles can allude to sort of like extra information, whether it's about characters or like the vibe. I'm curious what the sort of like <laughs> the aesthetic, so to speak is for the show. Yeah. Like, is there certain lighting that the directors and, and them want us to see all the time? Is there certain, like, like you said, we always get the shot of her looking at the mirror and there's a tap. So that has to be important, not just for the loop, but for something else. Is there anything else that, like, you've noticed about the yeah. the filming for her? Yeah, I think color choice as well as, I think, specific, the way that certain angles look and how a scene is perceived in the first episode there is a bodega that she goes to when she is gonna hook up with this guy and in the bodega there's an aisle in between two people and one of them on one aisle are these like wall street dude bros that are like drunk and like knocking shit over and like cat call her and stuff like that. And then on the other side of the aisle is actually Alan who we, you don't even realize is Alan who's drunk and also knocking shit over and looks like he needs help. And then it looks like Nadia is about to help Alan before the wall street guys are like, Hey, like where's a party that we can crash. And then she focuses then on just going home to have sex with the guy. So there is very much that opportunity of like, what could have happened if she helped Alan versus just going on with the easier thing. And there, there will continue to be sort of these two pathways opening up for her mm -hmm. and her choosing maybe the easiest one rather than the one that seems the more protagonist like or something. Oh, um, okay. And Nadia is very much has very bright red hair, wears like red and very stark black clothing. And Alan on the other hand is very, when he wakes up from each timeline in his own bathroom, he is like surrounded by a very blue faint light. And there's also white and lighter colors in sort of juxtaposition 
of her sort of darker uh, atmosphere, I guess. And what's really, really cool about, oh, Nadia's like red, like that's her whole thing. By the end of the series show, she wears white, finally. And then oh. Alan actually gets some gets a red scarf at, by the end of it. And then it's just, it's so subtle, such subtle details, but it's very much like, oh, they have not self-actualized, but they have grown past what the time loop has been teaching them, if it is supposed to be teaching them anything. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it does the Russian doll, like it's called Russian doll. There's like the joke with the internet meme or whatever, the Thursday, Friday. Is there any other importance to either Russian doll just being like a word or a concept that gets brought up? Or is there an actual physical Russian doll in the show at all? Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely more of a, theme or a subtle symbol than it is anything i believe that there are matryoshka dolls in one of the scenes i think maybe even when she's a child like this is a childhood flashback or something along those lines or maybe not it's definitely kind of the image that i get every time is every time she dies a like layer of the matryoshka doll gets peeled back or something Mm -hmm. like that like it's very much it's never used in the show really like there's never a Matryoshka doll that just like gets like taken off or like anything like that but it is very cool thinking about the Matryoshka doll you know peeling back or like the Matryoshka doll getting smaller because Nadia starts to see visions of herself as a child before she dies as sort of like a harbinger oh or something along those lines are the visions always the same it's always of her as a child appearing in like New York or wherever she is in real life. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Kind of just like standing there, like watching her die. Oh, uh. <laughs> oh no. I'm there sorry. You go. I'm, a little, I'm slightly jumpy. We played a Call of Cthulhu game till midnight last night and I'm still recovering. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't, I don't think that was meant to spook me out, but for some reason... It, it is freaky. It's, super it's very freaky. <sighs> okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't think Vaughn is 100% grasping this, but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'm good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, is there a scene or a moment, whatever, Joe, that really made you be like oh my gosh Nadia as a character I just have this like connection to or she's interesting or I find her really likable or complex like when in the show was the point where you were like dang Nadia okay you're on my list of fictional characters I enjoy so the two scenes in particular that I think about when I really either identify with Nadia or think that she's just, you know, crazy, but like so gratifying in that way at the same time in a very solidarity sort of sense. The first thing I can think of is in the second episode when um, she's calling John and obviously she has walked out on him multiple times and like the night prior like yelled at him and was like, I don't need your help. All these things when he's definitely just trying to help. Um, And she's calling him and is like, 
Um, I think I might be going insane. I might be dead and I would love some help. And he at this point is like, okay, what does that have to do with me? Like, can you show me that you will actually be there when you call for me and that kind of thing. And then she just, it's very clear that she has a problem being feeling like she's being humiliated or her pride is in question or anything like that. Because then what happens is she is like, start having sex with other people. Stop thinking about me, you know, stop using your kid as leverage against me and all this stuff. And it's like, they have this fight and then she is like, I'll believe that you, you know, are not thinking about me anymore when I, when I see it. And then she falls into a, like an underground cellar crate situation. Yeah, like, like an open manhole cover or something. <gasps> yeah. Oh yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Traumatic. <laughs> yeah. And it's very much the scene of like, again, this woman, when she feels that she, her pride is on the line or fears humiliation or any sort of lack of control on her side, especially when she has is asking for help, but because of her actions, people aren't taking her seriously or they're not fully set on her being sure of herself, essentially. Um, I think that was just very much a feeling that I could also really be in tune into and tap into like how she's feeling um although lashing out at people who are just trying to understand more about the thing that you are so concerned about um is not great but it's definitely something that was very eye-opening about her character and another scene i don't remember which episode it is oh it's literally episode two um she's talking to maxine and she's again sort of lashing out in this way of when maxine hands her the joint again she's like maxine is there anything else but cocaine in this and is thinking that her time loops and deaths are part of some strange like bad trip k-hole you know whatever situation and maxine is like no it's i'm telling you what it is and Nadia goes into this, like, rant of, you're sabotaging me, Maxine, and is, like, fully placing blame on her friend. And Maxine says something along the lines of, you're acting crazy, and Nadia hates being called crazy, I think because of her mom, mm. and has this emotional sort of reaction at her own party in front of Maxine, and is like... I hate being called crazy. Please don't call me crazy. I guess I look crazy right now, but it's Maxine's fault. And then Maxine says, or maybe you're just crazy. And then what Nadia decides to do is pick up, I think a raw or like cooked chicken that Maxine has been making the entire night and then throws it on the ground. <laughs> and because she's afraid of dying on the stairs again, she can't leave the party after doing that. I, I don't know. I think something really gratifying about that is like why would you do that but also that being her own the only thing in her mind to do like is to just externalize some anger or you know rage or depression or whatever especially with your friend it's very akin to a scene in fleabag where she's at her like god stepmom's art viewing or gallery opening 
and gets drunk because and she's a server of champagne she gets drunk off of the champagne and then when her stepmom makes her mad she just drops all the champagne on the ground there's just this like really cool sort of thing about like i want to see women and female characters just do that more because like we get like a dude punching a hole in the wall but like why can't we get also destructive like view destructive behaviors from women also destroying things because they are mad it's both very depressing um (laughs) sort of things but it just really centered me into the like inner like the the last matryoshka doll kind of concept Mm -hmm. and like you kind of mentioned with the like everything's a circle the relativity thing is that 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 kind of lashing out is a circle as well like it's a self-perpetuating cycle where she has a moment of weakness she reaches out seeking help and then people are like well the last time i tried to help you you were an asshole and then she turns into an asshole and lashes out again and then the next time she tries to ask for help so it's this like this really difficult cycle that involves um a lot more like understanding and preparedness from like both sides in order to break through that cycle and you can tell that like as as much as her friends care about her like neither party is ready to do what they need to do in order to help her break out of these cycles and it's yeah it's a really interesting like you said it's nice to get to watch a female character do that because we don't we don't get to see a lot of these destructive behaviors not framed in a way that's like oh she's just a psycho bitch yeah it's like no we we have empathy for her. We want to connect to her. And rather than seeing it from an outside perspective or from Maxine's perspective, where we're mad at her, we understand why she did it. And we're like, we feel for her. We feel that anger and that need to lash out and break shit. Because <laughs> I think we've all felt like breaking something at one time yeah. or another. And then all those social things come in and you're like, well, I can't do that because of society. <laughs> um, but she gets to yeah. do it. And it's, yeah gratifying in a weird fucked up way but yeah definitely totally. gratifying. <laughs> i'm trying to think if i have broken anything <laughs> yeah i don't even think i've i just, think i've never like destroyed anything out of like anger or whatever yeah i definitely have as a kid because i think when you're when you're young you don't yes. necessarily realize until like you actually actually break something you didn't mean to break and you're like no my favorite toy or i didn't mean to break this glass i'm sorry like certain things where like you're not aware your actions will equal a consequence versus when an adult even if at the time you're angry and you're wanting to lash out and you're like i just need to hit something you're still aware that your action will result in something being broken, whether that's your finger because you punched a wall or an, a turkey because you threw it on yeah. the ground. Yeah. yeah. And I think there is, like you said, more gratification and kind of like, I know there's a consequence. I'm still doing it. Yeah. Because you need to feel or because you just need, like, you have to do something. Yeah. Like, that's why I always see people in like traditional like tv shows where like a guy is really upset and he's like i'm gonna go to the boxing gym and he just starts punching boxing bags and the bag like breaks or something happens it's just like well that's fine because it's meant to be hit yeah right like it's okay because it's like not gonna cause any harm but when it actually shows 
in this situation, Nadia doing something where it's like she doesn't have a punching bag she doesn't have something that she can be like this is okay for me to break like a stress toy or something it's like yeah she needs to find those outlets and well i've never gotten to the point of like break like i've broken something more after i've accidentally broken it before (laughs) (laughs) because well it's already broken (laughs) um but my husband kind of like laughs at himself because when he gets really frustrated he'll want to break something but then in the act of breaking or like messing up he'll like it'll snap him out of that like that cycle right and then it'll be like oh that was dumb <laughs> like oh i should have done that and then he's able to kind of like move on from like the anger so it's like there's definitely like a a catharsis in in destruction and in nadia's case it's a lot of self-destruction which is yeah i think less healthy than property destruction oh yeah because <laughs> um, it's a lot harder to deal with the aftermath you can clean a glass and you can wipe the floor up from the chicken and order yeah. some pizza but what she's doing in her to herself in these moments is a lot more damaging than th- breaking some glasses and fucking up dinner <laughs> yeah right oh my gosh um is there anything else that you find is important in regards to like the show as a whole or for Nadia? Like we've talked a lot about like how you find it really interesting and the concepts that get brought up, but what do you think makes her a good female character? Yeah. I think not only do we see her, I feel often in juxtaposition to men like she's in a male-dominated career she is in contrast with alan she hooks up with guys and has a lot of guy friends and whatever to a degree you could probably see a male character in nadia's stead but at the same time you cannot because her relationship with her aunt and her mom are both very specific female relationships and role models that she has in her life that have very directly been like contrasting forces as she's been younger because her aunt i don't know i I don't think she lived at nadia and her mom's place but when nadia was still living with her mom nadia's mom bought just a bunch of watermelons one day based on like a manic spending spree and only wore purple because it opened up like a certain chakra in her mind or something and then proceeded to break all the mirrors in her house however when ruth is there ruth is centering reality back into their lives and is saying nadia you can't just eat all the watermelon that your mom got for some reason you need to eat actual food and are you still practicing piano? And Nadia is like, Nadia in that moment disagrees with Ruth that no, I think watermelon, just eating watermelon will completely sustain me. Um, But also she's still practicing piano, which is not something that her mom initiated by her. There is this very much this drive for her to like become an actual person. But because of her mom as both a source of love for her and something that she feels that she has to protect as a child, which I think this caretaker sort of role is always something we put onto daughters anyway. Like, 
if you are an older daughter or are in some fashion surround have a bunch of brothers or whatever you have to take care of them but for some reason they can go out later than you can there's just something very unique and particular about her character as being female even if she jokes that she's you know internally organs based is like a 60 70 year old man (laughs) um which is hilarious but to a a lot of degree also natasha leone is based was written around nadia a lot of nadia's character and a lot of russian doll is written based off of natasha leone's actual experiences in new york and great neck and in uh orthodox jewish establishments and talmud classes and stuff like that there's a scene where she and john go to a rabbi to talk about like maybe the fact that uh one of the Jewish buildings from history has now become an apartment complex is maybe there's some weight to the moral punishment thing. So she goes out to test that. But yeah, Natasha Leon's the fact that this is based off of Natasha Leon's life and how she has also had, she's like had DUIs and has been arrested for her like lashing out behavior in public and had, she underwent open heart surgery to get a valve for her heart. Like these are all things that we might not immediately prescribe to a woman, but she was certainly troubled. She was in the modeling industry or like the acting industry since she was six years old. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that immediately adultifies a child, um, Mm -hmm. puts a lot of pressure on a child's appearance and, how they're perceived way earlier than I think I even thought about my own, how I was perceived by a public sphere. There are, I think it's just so cool to think about her looking down this pathway of, should I help this person and go out of my way a little bit? Or should I fight these dudes from wall street and go have sex with this guy tonight? And then that's my night. She's a workaholic. She's also chases any sort of pleasure, is extremely good at her job, but also barely does not go to work <laughs> um, and has many friends, but also doesn't seem to appreciate them in the ways that they want to be appreciated, but she does cherish them at the same time. There's, She's just... Not that I am a 36-year-old woman that lives in New York, (laughs) but certainly I think anyone in some aspects can find themselves in either Nadia or Alan. Mm -hmm. For for some form or another, yeah. Even if you don't fully connect with or identify with a character, there's always going to be parts of a person's experiences that you can have empathy for. And I think that's what's so great about like shows and stories is finding those ways that you can like understand or just be like, Oh shit. I didn't know that this would hit home for me, but it does. And maybe that's something for me to learn about. And maybe that's a good thing for me to watch this show. And just like, I don't know. I just, I love, I love stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the fact that it is a lot based on a person's actual Mm -hmm. like genuine experience allows it to have that 
that like honesty to it for a show that is so like surreal and mental and all these like crazy things and it's kind of poses a lot of like philosophical questions to its audience it is grounded in that like in that honesty that it's it's coming from a place of, of like an actual like person who's experienced these things and you can see the the value of having yeah like a, a more female-led like production team and having like more female writers and that that diversity in that writing group you can see how much people want to connect with these stories and how how interesting other people's stories can be when you look beyond the people who have normally been running things and then you get shows like this that are just wild and interesting and fascinating and you get characters with a depth and a complexity that are not perfect <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination um, but you can still connect with them because they have like a reality to them, which I think is really one of the really real strengths of this show. Mm -hmm. I like watching human beings be messy because the human experience is a very messy one. <laughs> yeah. And there's not really opportunities where being messy in real life is actually a good thing. I know. <laughs> oh, I wish I could be messy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I even judge myself like I don't know about about you both but whenever there's a situation where I'm just like oh I just like I just don't want to do anything I just want to not care about what my actions will cause and I just want to do stuff and then part of me hits where I'm like oh I'm an adult now though like I need to make sure I clean up after this so it doesn't bother me later or no, I can't leave all my clothes on the floor because God forbid it just makes the floor messy or my pets just like go through everything. And it's just kind of like, I do miss being younger because I feel like it was okay to live the messy human experience. Yeah. In a way, and not everyone has it. Like obviously Nadia is a character example. She didn't get to, she had to grow up so quickly and I feel like when people don't get to have the, it's okay to grow up and have a messy human experience, it's going to result in you navigating what it's like to be a messy human at a time where sadly it is more difficult Yeah, to like... The consequences are yeah, a lot bigger. Yeah. And probably more expensive. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. 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 <laughs> God dang it. Stupid responsibilities. <laughs> God dang it. Money and things that we as humans invented just causing it harder for us to live the human experience easier. God dang it. Oh, everything's just a construct and we just made it. <laughs> and we can't get rid of it. Until we yeah. break everything down. Yeah. Capitalism, government, gender roles, sexuality. It's all a construct. <laughs> School. <laughs> School. <laughs> and that's coming from a teacher. <laughs> I mean, I think teachers would know absolutely what's going on. <sighs> and it's hard. It's hard out there. Kids have it hard. Yeah. Yeah. We have so much stuff now that you think would make it easier. It just makes it more complicated. Mm -hmm. I'm not jealous of it. No. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. 
So, Joe, is there anything else you want to touch on about Russian Doll or Nadia? Um, I think, I guess just like touching on it very briefly is that um, Nadia's use of recreational substances and addiction is a very much a recurring theme. And Alan even has alcohol substance issues. Um, I think continuing to humanize these experiences as well as putting a lot of human human depth behind Natasha Leone's own like you know bodily problems, her lung disease and heart infections and stuff like that have all come through you know drugs are not something to do because people are lazy and just want something to do drugs are something to do as a means of momentarily temporarily creating a a fix to a problem that is completely mental or emotional or even things that are outside of yourself like housing and relationships and stuff like that as someone like me personally as someone that is like still every now and then a smoker and really not wanting to be but sometimes life you know sometimes life is like you know like there are sometimes where it's just very much the only thing that you can think of or do is like i can't afford psychiatry i can't afford therapy like a pack of cigarettes is five to eight dollars or something and maybe pretending that this will do something for me is what I need for today or like in this hour. Like, I don't think anyone, you'll never learn in high school that smoking for a lot of people is just a a cheaper version of therapy in the way that it is a breathing exercise. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think anyone would really want to put that into perspective. But sometimes that like oral fixation on top of just the breathing aspect, but you know, feeding into the nicotine companies and all this stuff. It's just a whole sort of mindset and whole sort of, what am I trying to say? It's yeah, just the process of addiction and the need or desire to use things is always going to be because of whatever product of your environment or mental health that you've experienced. So Mm -hmm. at the very least, I hope that people don't view Nadia's substance use as something that is just getting her by in terms of fun all the time like certainly sure but most of the depictions of her overindulging is when she's just really stressed out and really sad and is the only person that she knows in her life that is dying every three-day period or something like Mm -hmm. that so yeah I think that's also something that is just really very refreshing and cool to see from a female character yeah yeah i think the the addiction aspect is explored in an in an interesting way that we don't get to see very often where it is like a form of self-medication a form of escape a form of because yeah like nadia does not seem like the type of person who is ready to go and talk to a psychiatrist about her problems um uh, at least not even yet. though <laughs> even though her aunt is a therapist yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah like she's just i don't think she's prepared for that yet and so that that false sense of happiness that comes along with the highs from drug use and those kinds of things or that false sense of numbness that can come with it as well is how she kind of makes it through her day 
And I think depending on who's watching it, because there's always people who watch things like movies like Scarface, where they're just like, that's a great idea. Yeah. Drug dealing and cocaine is awesome. And it's yeah. Like, Did you miss the part where he died at the end? <laughs> like, because yeah. of all the things that he did, like it's the show does a good job at showing that it is not a good thing. It's definitely like self-destructive, but it's what's, it's kind of just a, a thing that is in the show, but it's also not like it is a bad thing, but I think you have to actually watch and like internalize and consider the media that you're cons- like the show that you're consuming as a way to kind of think about it and understand it more. Yeah. Um, and it was very interesting to watch and to see mm-hmm. that. The, and... the topic itself though, sounds very gray. Like it's not black and white. When yeah. you think about a lot of things when it comes to addiction or substance use, like <laughs> there's going to be people like Nadia, she's so smart. She probably knows a lot of the issues that could come with her overusing these substances and the path that it could take her down if she's not being careful but she's still choosing to take small risks because that's what she needs in order to help her Mm -hmm. because that's her coping mechanism. And I feel like in real life, a lot of people don't necessarily view it as gray and, and messy and nuanced. Like the amount of issues people have with like, Oh, it's either you're doing something for fun and it's not going to take you too far and you're not an addict or you are now an addict you now have substance use and you're slowly going to uh, spend all your money, everything else on just getting these drugs or just like drinking too much. And then that's going to go into you being homeless. Like there's no middle ground to be like, but there has to be more to it. It's not just suddenly you're okay and you can use these substances and be a, 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 a good class citizen or you're the person that's causing issues around a community. Like, there has to be more to it. And the fact that Nadia sounds like she's showing us that side is really nice mm-hmm. from me just listening to you guys talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one more little relationship that Nadia has that I thought was just, like, so, like, a surprisingly, like, tender thing is whenever she runs into horse. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the, he's, he's a man is who horse lives in a horse. horse? <laughs> no. <laughs> um he's a homeless man who lives in the park um and she like one night she she i think they get high together and they sleep on the ground like in where he's sleeping and that's how she dies that's how she freezes to death um because she ends up finding out one of the days where she survives that like he got his shoes stolen in one arc but then when she stays with him and she visits with him he doesn't get his shoes stolen so there's these like these small moments of her like connecting with this man and like he's a little loopy (laughs) like he cuts her hair one night and like um he asks he's like can i cut your hair and he's like oh like this is the new you and like he's this very like kind of weird eccentric but like so tender and like kind Mm -hmm. to her when she like comes and like because he doesn't know her and so it's almost like she gets to be vulnerable with this complete stranger in the park um, and it's just such a very like, touch, like surprisingly touching compared to her very volatile relationships with everybody else that she keeps having. There's this like, 
nice man who's named horse (laughs) and who just likes that she's talking to him and like treating him like a person and it's it's this like sweet little hey i love horse (laughs) yeah it's i think it's definitely also something to be said about her caretaking for someone less fortunate Mm -hmm. and there might be this like high ground that she feels but i think also he just provides her so much spiritual nuance Mm -hmm. and information about what it's like to live and be and exist like an insane scene actually is when they're both like i guess like doing whippets or something (laughs) Something like that yeah Yeah, something like that like huffing (laughs) paint or something um she has a golden medallion that her that is like her last like piece of memorabilia from her mom or her family and it's like made of real gold um and she gives it to horse and he's like are you sure like this is this real gold and she's like yeah it's too heavy as in like just the memory of her mom and like everything that has been burdening her burdening her has just been sort of lifted and given to someone else. Mm-hmm. And then I believe when the next time the loop starts, she doesn't have the necklace anymore. Yeah. Oh. I think so. Oh. Yeah. He's like a weird sort of spiritual guide for her. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's so cute. <laughs> just some, oh, some, maybe I need to watch some, it just yeah. for horse. I don't horse know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay, so um, unless there's anything else you want to add, Joe, but it sounded like you kind of got your thoughts out. We're good. Okay, all right. I'll get to the our little ending blurb. Um, so before we end off, then Joe, is there anything you want to plug? or talk about like it could be something you're really interested in that you want more people to like read or watch it could be something you're involved in like whatever you want to plug feel free um i guess again i'm joe i'm at grandpa bimbo on twitter and tiktok most of the time just twitter i have been involved just throughout the year with a sort of small friend-based TTRPG stream streaming network called the ephemeral forest on Twitter. Our handle is E P H E M underscore forest. And then our Twitch is ephemeral underscore forest. We have D and D main campaigns and we also have a sort of one shot series where we play indie uh, tabletops and we've also played games that have been designed by close friends um much like our sacred waters from my like irl friend that is a game designer and another content creator and game designer nb dare e-n-b-y-d-a-r-e um who has created a wonderful game called when the sun rises um sorry when the sun dies which is a game about the world ending and you and a group of other people only have a couple days until the last eight minutes happens when it is confirmed that the sun has exploded. Lots of really wonderful, cool games. Um, if you want to see me in particular cry a lot and do outfit changes and 
all that wonderful stuff. I am littered in those Twitch VODs. Um, otherwise, right now, a lot of the stuff that I will be in are still sort of rolling up, but we'll definitely update you at a later time. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I would love to, uh, once we do our social media posts, I'll definitely um, plug some of the links to the things that they can find you at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. So again, this was a wonderful dive into Nadia from the Russian doll. I don't know about you, dear listeners, but I will be watching it this weekend. <laughs> you can find I'm just really excited now. (laughs) You can find us wherever podcasts can be found. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. You can find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now YouTube if you prefer to use YouTube as a reason to listen to podcasts at WenchBenchPod. And if you want to reach out, you can send us an email at WenchBenchPod at gmail.com. All of the art for The Wench Bench was designed by the wonderful Tessa Joyce Rican. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Wherevile. She recently moved to Japan. Just a fun little tidbit. Uh, And thank you for listening. And Joe, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Hope we can have you again in the future if things work out. (laughs) Yes. All right. Bye. gratifying actions and do you need some water <coughs> we can take a pause <laughs> i don't have any water next to me yeah do you want to go get just some? dying yes i'll get some. okay just, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna i'm gonna i know that feeling <laughs> <laughs>